Welcome to the Orion Podcast, hosted by Jessa and Laurel of A Stellar Co., a podcast that connects you with the knowledge and resources you need to drive a more conscious form of capitalism. Orion starts now. Transform business, change the world. That's the Tory Project's mission. If you're concerned about environmental degradation, social injustice, or the shredding of our democracy, check out the Tory Project. This exciting new organization teaches entrepreneurs how to build highly profitable businesses that also act as a force for good in the world. Follow Tory Project on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Check out David J. Farron on LinkedIn to watch his videos designed for first-time founders and entrepreneurs. Sign up to join their next bootcamp or volunteer to help out at www.toryproject.org. Hey, Laura. Hey, Jessa. Who's our guest today? We have Rachel Alexandria. Woo, thank you for being us. And welcome uh, our, yeah, welcome back. Our listeners and audience may recall that we interviewed Rachel very recently. And Jessa, just quickly, how were we connected with Rachel? Um, we met Rachel through Hera Hub, our co-working space. And uh, yeah, in a few weeks ago, three weeks ago, I think we hosted on Orion to talk about her business. Um, Oh gosh, I'm gonna say it's coaching for highly guiding, highly sensitive souls. Yeah, high performers with sensitive souls. Um, I'm sorry, I'm on this. If I don't get it right once, I will. It's like directions. If I get lost once, I never get it right. So thank you for um, repeating yourself. And yeah, when we we're getting into it. We we're talking about the enneagram, and Laurel and I got very excited. Laurel especially so, and immediately. Was like let's do an enneagram reading, but we're like, okay, well, why don't you come back in a few weeks? Um, and Rachel graciously said yes, so thank you. Here I am. Yeah, you're welcome. And so, can you explain? So, Laura and I, this is our jam. We love enneagram. And I was talking to some people actually earlier today. You know, very excited that you were coming to do this, and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> so, for those wait, what? Can you explain enneagram? <laughs> Wait, what? (laughs) Sure. So the Enneagram of Personality is a pretty ancient system that we don't, it's originating around a piece of sacred geometry. So it's going to sound really wooey, but it's a personality typing system. Um, We like to say the Enneagram doesn't put you in a box. It shows you the box you already live in. So it describes to us the nine different types and really 27 different subtypes that really tell us about our inner motivations and our energy. So when you learn your Enneagram type, you're really being um, welcomed into a mystery school that shows you the path of, um, Basically, as Joseph Campbell says, uh, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. So the Enneagram type shows you your cave, but it also shows you your treasure. That was good. We should write that one down. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. That's deep. So my understanding of it is that when you find out your Enneagram type, you can start to recognize areas um, of growth that you're growing and also areas of stress. Absolutely. Um, it, it really, it really describes to you 
what is motivating you at such a deep level? And our motivations can be good and they can be bad, right? You know, what, uh, some people teach it with the uh, concept of like your type's original sin, which isn't to say what you do wrong, but more what is a, what is a deep sort of intrinsic driving force that you always have to counterbalance. You always need to be aware of. Mine, for example, is lust, which is about control, not just sex. Um, so the Enneagram 8's type lusts for control. It's, it's all about control. And no matter how, you know, healthy I become or what kind of personal work I do, it's always going to be in there as a thing that I have to like look down at my hand and realize that I'm clenching like that but I watch videos of me dancing and like one of my arms is always kind of like hooked up and I'm like let it go Rachel like you can see behind me there's a, you can't probably read it but it says let it go there's a little, oh, little... Yeah. I, so, I love the like original uh sin comparison for Enneagrams because so Laurel and I both done ours online but we want to so when you do it or at least I'll share my experience when I did it online it's at Enneagram Institute right? That's one of them. Okay. So that's the one I did. And when you read through the personality descriptors, it, it's like, okay, this is you. This is what drives you. This is where you might have conflict. And, and I read mine and I'm like, yes, that's a hundred percent me. And it's like, you might also be this one. And I read that. I'm like, yes, that's a hundred percent me. They can't all be me. And, and then it said it had the original sin tied to the one that I think I am. And I'm like, that's a hundred percent me. Like that, that's it. So, um, I, it's interesting cause it's like the ones that are, you know, positive. It, it, it was like, yeah, yeah. Like we all kind of want to think we're that way. Um, but then I think that when it's tied to that original sin that, um, I don't know, lies beneath, I was like, Ooh, that's like what I have to watch for, but I don't want to say it cause Rachel's going to do this reading. So I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it. I don't have any suspicions sort of. Um, and I was just going to show folks for who, whoever hasn't seen it yet. Um, I always like to draw the Enneagram whenever I am teaching it. So this is what the piece of geo uh, geometry looks like. Yeah. Not the numbers. But that's the numbers just, yeah, there you go. You can see and it. And if you're awesome. listening, yeah. Whose book is that? Is that Sarah Jane's? No, Bill Beatrice. We already talked about that. Right, right. So if people are listening, it's a circle. With a one at, I don't know, the, the 12th position on a clock, basically. The nine is at the 12th position. Tomato, yeah. tomato. Just kidding. No. It's <laughs> <laughs> at the 12th position on the clock. And then the one looks like it's around the one and it, it circles around. And then um, within the circle, there are lines that connect the numbers to each other. So there's like kind of, I guess, complementary and contrasting. They're connecting points. So mm -hmm. every type has two main connecting points. And um, also a wing, or maybe two wings. So the Enneagram, the, the circle, as they say, describes the wholeness. It's like the holon, H-O-L-O-N. Um, and it indicates that, that we all belong, that we all have a place in the circle, mm -hmm. and that we're not complete without everyone. And then there's a primary triangle inside the circle, and then there's what we call the hexagon, or the, not the hex, uh, the hexad, hexad, it's not a hexagon, um, which is this other thing that connects 
you know, there's three points connected by the triangle, and then there's six other points connected by this other hexad um, symbol. So the connecting points that basically demonstrate that um, just the ways that we are interconnected and you know, if you really do your Enneagram work, eventually you can kind of see and feel how you, you pick up pieces or you have pieces within you of all the nine types. Interesting. Yeah, it's funny because after I have I did mine and I started reading about it, I, I have no business, you know, quote, typing people, but it doesn't stop me from doing that where I'm like, oh, <laughs> I think this is what they're like. And then I kind of think about, okay, this is what drives them. And and same like Laurel and I are really big into the disc profile. We, we love this stuff because I think it helps, you know, it's, we like doing this because it helps with our self-awareness. And then when we learn more about ourselves and our self-awareness, it, it helps us communicate with others and relate to others better and be more empathetic. Um, so that's, yeah, that's why we do it. But anyway, like you're talking about all this and the interconnectedness, I'm like, oh, I, it helps me empathize with people a little bit more when I'm, you know, maybe a little frustrated. <laughs> which never happens right no I'm very patient um I keep forgetting happy birthday Laurel today's Laurel's birthday hey Thank happy you. birthday yeah this is a this Enneagram with you Rachel is a lovely birthday gift I want to honor you and thank you for showing up today and walking us through this I um support Jessa in in all the things she gets excited about uh and she introduced me to Enneagram and I took, just took the, the test really quickly and didn't think much of it and it keeps popping up. Um, and I think the universe is telling me to explore it a little more and especially the more popular culture re um, reference was when I listened to the Tim Ferriss podcast when he talks about one of his darkest childhood memories. Um, he shared it for the first time a couple months ago and it was a big moment for him. And he, he tries to be very impeccable with his word. And so he's never bombastic like I am where I over and embellish everything and get really excited. And he, in, in explaining his childhood trauma and his personality and, and his changes, he references Enneagram as being one of a, a crucial tool or modality in self-exploration and self-awareness. And he, he really thinks all other personnel, I'm not going to speak for him. Everybody go listen to Tim Ferriss podcast, but it resonated with me because he um, is an avid studier and he will only recommend things that he feels that he has really studied and really researched. Whereas I like everything. And so when he said, Oh, I, you know, follow this, believe in it, use it as a tool. I thought, all right, let's explore this a little bit deeper. We interviewed you and here we are on my birthday. I'm really excited for you for you to walk us through this, and like we'll just be vulnerable and see where it goes. Awesome! Happy 29th birthday! <laughs> A few times over. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Cool. Well, yeah, yeah. What do we do? How does this work? <laughs> okay, so you want me to take it away? Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. So this I'll is just your show to run, Rachel. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> let's take over the world. Um, <laughs> it's it's a dangerous thing, man. Um, well, so first, let me say that I appreciate what you named um, 
Jess said that uh, it's not it's not a great idea for people to go around trying to type each other. Like the curiosity is wonderful. Um, and I think I would encourage everyone to be curious and to like try on ideas with each other, with yourself and with each other. And at the same time, we don't ever want to be certain for someone else's type. Um, you know, I, I, as I type anybody or I help anybody towards their type, I cannot be certain because that's, that's not really possible. And, and over the years of me studying this and applying it, I have been wrong. Absolutely. At times where I thought I was really confident about somebody's type and then I got to know them even better and was like, and they'd say, you know, this just doesn't quite fit for me. And I'd sit back and re-examine and go, oh, oh, what about this? And then we'd talk about it and it turns out there's something else. Um, so I'm just putting that caveat on. Uh, I've been studying this and practicing with it for... I'm guessing close to 15 years now. So, um, and uh, that's with some pretty intense apprenticeship with a teacher and then using it, teaching, learning from everybody I teach. Um, I think of it as like an ongoing database of how types can appear in my head and in my heart. And I'm always adding to that database and kind of re collating and realigning. So, um, so we'll, we'll see what we come up with today, and it's, it's not going to be a certainty. It's just going to be a likelihood. Even if I personally, like, from my little ego, I'm like, I'm sure. <laughs> I, my, my larger self is like, and I could be wrong. <laughs> thank you. That's a great disclaimer. So thank you for, for saying that, because I think um, people like me, it's very easy to be like, uh, I'm a dilettante. I'm not going to hide it. But um, so there, there is a lot, like, like you said, like studying for so long, there's so many levels. And, and I think it's really important too, for us, I, I don't know the Enneagram, but I think if we as humans get too much or like, oh, I'm in this type, then you think like, this is what I'm going to be like, or you, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, I guess, or if you like read about it. So it's just, um, mm -hmm. again, just awareness of yeah, I agree. And I've seen people who studied the Enneagram for a long time who walk around, I believe, mistyped. And te I'm, I mean, I'm in groups of teachers and some people will agree and they'll be like, yeah, none of us see this person as a whatever. And people can, you know, the Enneagram, the larger Enneagram community of teachers and people who know it well, kind of allow for that. They just say, you know, if somebody needs to spend a few years living at this other type and believing this is their type and they get something out of it, then great. You know, again, my ego feels frustrated by that and it's like, no, but <laughs> because I want things to be accurate. <laughs> cool. Um, well, I, was, right. I was thinking too, um, you know, kind of what Laurel said, it reminded me when she was talking about it in pop culture, what I'd heard of Enneagram years ago, like, sorry, but um, my friend, uh, my very, very good friends, Tiana introduced me to it and I, I did it. I took a little test. I'm like, okay, it's, you know, whatever. And I moved on. And, and then I read about it recently in Chelsea Handler's book about a year, two ago. And I'm going to like, I don't remember the name, but she was going through like really intense therapy and her psychiatrist was like, have you heard of the Enneagram? And she talked about it and referenced it a lot. And I, 
I think she was an eight, if I remember correctly. And so reading about it was really energizing and how it helped her to kind of uncover some of her, like the reason her behaviors were the way they were or are the way they are. And um, the, the more I read the book, I'm like, oh, I'm like really into this. I followed like 30 Enneagram accounts on Instagram and went and immediately took the test. And I'm like, Laura, you went immediately take the test. So um it's an, it has a power. It's one of those things you learn about it. And it's like very interesting and it makes you want to dive, deep dive more because I think it, it is a really helpful tool. And obviously it motivates a lot of people. And then you talk about it like we're doing now and then just kind of mm-hmm. its own, own way. Yeah. The Enneagram, I think, takes best root when you really I, – I always say it needs um, – oh, What's the word? I've completely lost my words today. <sighs> not an indoctrination, but like not an invocation. It's another word that sounds like that, but um, like a transmission, basically. Um, that's my belief that to really understand the Enneagram, it's really hard to get from just books, you know. And, and I mean, books are a great way to like get excited about it, get interested in it, but to really... Um, to really start to understand what it's about, you need a transmission from a teacher. Uh, that's what about what was... Instagram post? <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally Instagram can substitute for an energy transmission. Absolutely. Um, it's how, it's how I got it. You know, it, it moves it from a place of an intellectual, uh, you know, dabbling into uh being able to feel the vibrations i think so let me talk a little bit about the types just as a quick rundown i try and be quick it's hard to be quick at this um because there's nine types and and i don't let me just say that as i go over them i am speaking to the average of the type because there are levels of health and types can appear very different on the surface depending on how healthy someone is, what kind of personal work they've done, what their family of origin is like, what their culture of origin is like, all of that affects how type appears on the surface. So um, we, start with, uh, we start with the void, which is type nine. Type nines um, often, like I, I use the example of Keanu Reeves, the energy of Keanu, uh, you know, where he's, he's both there and not there. You know, he's he's consequential, and yet at the same time, it's almost like he can disappear energetically. If you have, like, if you think about looking at his face, you almost can kind of, my teacher said, you can almost kind of see past them. So there's something about type 9 energy that's very etheric. It's diffuse. Um, so type 9 personalities tend to be... Um, like go with the flow. Um, they don't necessarily like change their minds easily or agree with people easily, but they won't stand in opposition much. They're often called the peacemaker, which is not something they necessarily do uh, overtly, but more by the energy that they carry. So we, there's a lot of type nines in the world and we need them to kind of like, you know, ease out the chemistry of the rest of us. Like they kind of take the temperature down. Um, so we move from that kind of feeling of the void into like very strong structure. So think of it like coming out of the 
out of the womb, but into existence. And that's type one. Like it's a very, very structured vibration. It's, you know, yes, no, right, wrong, binary. Um, and the type one personality can feel like, um, like I often refer to Emma Thompson. I'm going to say, by the way, I don't know for sure any of these people's types because they, I, they haven't told me. So <laughs> it's just to me what the, what those public representations of those people feel like. So Emma Thompson to me feels like a type one. Uh, if you think about her and something like sense and sensibility, um, you know, her character is very rules focused. You know, I cannot tell the man that I love that I love him and I can't, you know, and I can't tell him, I, I can't confess to him because he's already engaged and it goes against the rules of society. So even though it breaks my heart, I will, I will adhere to the rules of society. So um, type ones feel you know, kind of at the core, no matter how kind they are. And actually ones can be very kind, very loving people. I know some amazing type ones. Um, they also can have a sharpness to them because this focus on the rules and on what's appropriate is so strong in their, in their, um, awareness. So we move from that structured place into like more of a relational state. So if we've come from, this is just a metaphor to help people understand the Enneagram, come from the womb into, into existence and structure, and then you come into relationship and that's type two. So um, type two is very invested in other people. Um, they're really interested in the give and take between people and, you know, the positive emotional connection of just of being in connection. Um, so type twos often feel like, um, like I often know type twos by their eyes. A lot of Enneagram types I'll kind of know by their eyes. Like they tend to have big eyes or the way that they use their eyes. It's like very engaged. Like it feels very grade school teacher, that energy to me. Like it's really like, and how are you? Oh, oh, that's so nice. Wow. And and not to, I'm not trying to in any way bag on twos. Love twos also. I love all the Enneagram types. Um, it's just that their, their way of engaging with people is very invested and you can really feel it. And it can feel, you know, depending on your Enneagram type, it can feel very genuine or it can feel invasive. Um, you might love it. They're, they're great friends uh, because they put a lot of energy into being good at that. So um, then from this place of re relational focus, we move into kind of an achievement focus. So thinking, okay, the child has been born and then they're like, oh, I have friends or I have a relationship with my mom or my dad. Now it's like, oh, I'm off to school and it starts to matter what I do in the world. And so type three is this achievement energy. Um, it's very focused on what can get done and how fast it can get done and how well, you know, um, they care about well, but I think they, it, type threes at the average care more about whether people see them getting it done than whether it is done. Um, so there is a performance aspect to the type three and, um, all of these types have challenges. I haven't been going over all of them, but the, the type threes challenge 
is to get presence to their own inner motivations and not be so focused on, you know, shining and getting the gold star all the time. So an example of a type three energy, which feels to me like very hummingbird, like they're very busy. Their energy is very busy. Uh, Katie Couric is an example. Um, Tom Cruise is an example. There's just like very powerful, very um, successful people that you can feel like it's a high vibe. You're like, whoa. Um, a lot of people say Oprah is a type three also. So she, if she is, she'd be an example of like a more integrated three because there's like a peaceful energy that comes with her in addition. Like she's, she's going and she's doing a lot of stuff, but there's, she can also kind of be and sit and have that flowiness with her. So we move from three into four. So from the achievement space kind of into the deeper emotional space, you think, okay, the kid's gone from being in school to uh, kind of into the teenage years, like the emo years. So um, fours are very aware of their emotions. Like they're, they're very, it's like being in, in a, an ocean where there's lots of waves. That's what that energy feels like. It's a lot going on. Um, and the forest challenge is to n not always see their feelings as facts, but to just see it as information and about something that influences them, but not invest wholeheartedly all the time into that ongoing sea of emotion. Um, but they also are, some, some studies call them the deep sea diver. Like when you're in that deep ocean, you can bring amazing treasures out of the depths. Um, so a lot of fours are artists. They're often called the artist on the Enneagram or the, um, the unique one. Uh, uniqueness matters a lot to fours. So we move from this artistry place, this like uniqueness focus, emotion focus into like the intellect. Think about this, this kid's now going to college and uh, that's type five, the intellectual, the observer, um, the energy can feel, you know, a little like an exaggerated energy would be Spock on Star Trek. Like there's a very like focus on logic and understanding and on how things connect intellectually. Um, it's really important to them to be understood and, um, but they're, they're not usually the loudest people on the Enneagram. They're, they tend to be more quiet observers overall. Um, so, you know, if you really want to understand what's going on in a system, find the five in a room and it, who's been like sitting in the back watching and ask them what's going on. And they're going to be like, well, this and this and this and this. <laughs> or they might be like, I wasn't paying any attention. I was thinking about the bonds of this chemical and how it relates to, you know. So um, you move from this intellectual observer space into kind of what do you do with your life after this progression? And that's where we find type six in this place of what we call the dweller on the threshold. Type six is always like, I could leap, but should I? Wait, what do you guys think? How do I know it's safe? Um, that's that energy. And so uh, type sixes 
are often called uh, the leader among men, or they're called they're called the loyalist often, and I find that to be kind of deceptive when you're first starting on the Enneagram, because a lot of sixes don't necessarily feel like they're loyal, like that's not their most defining characteristic. But once they have decided to create a bond with somebody, and that person has made it past all the layers of security, they are fiercely loyal. Um, it's true. Although once you're dead to them, you're dead to them. <laughs> so there's there's a very strong um, there's a very strong likability vibe about type sixes on average. Like Tom Hanks is a really good example of type six energy. Um, he's not the most suave or handsome man, but you just, you know, but neither is he like extremely unique and artistic. You just like the guy. You just, he's an everyman and that's what six feels like. Um, Meg Ryan is another example. Um, so, and I'm aware by the way, that as I'm saying this, a lot of the examples I use are white people. I'm you know, I'm not as well-versed and sometimes the audience isn't as familiar with other representations. And I really should just have a list of people I write down. Actually, I think I do somewhere so I can remember, but I've been teaching this for so long and that's, so I'm just, I'm just naming it. I'm aware that a lot of these are white people and I apologize for that. Um, so, uh, so this likability vibe, people, a lot of people think that they are type six as friends, but they might not actually be inside the walls of the type six and inside the walls of the type six who are very competent and are great team members. Like they will perform and get things done along with your type ones. They're like, we're on it, you know? Um, but there's also a lot of indecision and a lot of, um, like cyclical thinking, going through all the things that could possibly happen and coming back to the center again and then being like, oh, I still haven't made a decision, but here, let me go again around this round. So type six's challenge is to learn to find and trust the intuition within that is beyond this um, mental hamster wheel, basically. Um, and to be able to trust, trust in a world that is ultimately not guaranteed to be safe. So... Moving from this dwelling on the threshold, then you leap. You're like, what do I do with my life? I don't know. And then the type seven is like, let me see. And they just <laughs> leap off the cliff. So the type seven is the explorer, the adventurer, uh, the bon vivant. Um, they are very gregarious. And even though a number of them are introverts, I do by gregarious, I don't mean they're always extroverts, but they are very lively. They're kind, they tend to be people who are, you like to have come to the party. Um, they also tend to be people that get taken less seriously or scapegoated because that kind of fun, bubbly energy uh, doesn't show that beneath that, sevens are extremely thoughtful. Um, they have a strong intellect and they put a lot of thought into things, but their presentation seems like I don't know. We have a thing in this culture where we don't take the vivacious person seriously. So it's a thing that strugg sevens struggle with is to be taken as seriously as, as they are inside. So Liz Gilbert is a really good example, I feel, of a type seven energy. If you read her books, she's incredibly intellectual. She thinks about many things. She makes amazing connections. 
She's a very deep person, and yet a lot of people dismiss her as like, oh, you got paid to go travel around the world and find love. Like, aren't you lucky? Ha, stupid, you know, blonde white lady. But she's she's really actually brilliant. Um, so that's an example of how that type seven energy works. And the challenge for sevens is to basically keep recentering and not following the 800 flights of fancy and and interest points that that come to them all the time um so like coming back to center back to center uh and i haven't got into how all these types interconnect sevens connect to one so that structure can be helpful to them and they connect to five anyway so moving from this leap off like yay freedom i'm just gonna try stuff i'm gonna take a gap year you know uh, then coming into like just adult life, adult maturity, um, that's type eight, the energy of type eight. Uh, obviously every one of all the types grows up and goes through all these stages. I'm just using this as a metaphor. So the type eight energy is okay. I've done all these things and now I'm holding all these capabilities and, you know, can feel seduced by the idea that I'm the one who holds up the world <laughs> when I'm not. But as they say, with great power comes great responsibility. So type eight energy can feel very heavy, very dense, um, immovable at times. Uh, think of James Gandolfini as uh, in The Sopranos, Tony Soprano, but also think of Queen Latifah. So there's a solidity at eight that is um, hard to move and can be very intimidating for people. But one of the secrets is that eights have the most tender heart in the whole Enneagram. It's just behind a lot of fortress. So, <laughs> so a lot of people miss it and, and eights themselves can miss it. Um, so the challenge at type eight is to get a sense of mastery over ourselves, over the the anger and the control, which is interesting. Like, how do you control control? You don't. But how do you master dealing with having a lot of control um, capabilities and issues? And then from this place of kind of feeling like you can control everything, you step back into the void, which is nine, where we started. So you release all of that and you float again in the ether. And this is the how the Enneagram circles and spirals up. So Thank you. that is... A <laughs> Sorry, I'm just sitting here alone. I'm just sitting here nodding. Yes, because, you know, we're just absorbing all everything you're talking about. And uh, that was a very clear and the, the flowing through the stages was very easy to understand and, like, follow along. So thank you for... Absolutely. <laughs> it's the way that I had to learn it because I started learning the types and people people often will read stuff and there's so much, I mean, thick books are written about the Enneagram and you can spend 20 pages on a single type. Yeah, Laurel's showing. Um, so, you know, people can read a bunch of stuff and they'd be like, wait, which one is the one again? Which, what is four again? So having something that puts it all into a system just for the sake of starting to remember what type is what was really helpful for me when I began. Yeah. Um, so. Where is, um, you know, if you're not able to get a reading or, you know, you're just 
skimming the surface of this and like, you know, this is the first time you're hearing about it. Is there a good resource to learn more about your type? Like I, I went online and I, I found the test I, I found earlier that I mentioned. So I don't know if there's one that's more digestible. So I get asked this a lot and I'm, let me just say no type can tell you definitively what, what no test can tell you definitively what type you are. Um, it's impossible to test for deep motivation and energy. You know, it's going to depend on how you define yourself, how aware of yourself you are, and your own blind spots. So tests can only point you in a few directions. That being said, I get asked this question a lot. So I made a page on my website to give people some resources because I don't have any one test I recommend. They all are going to give you... In fact, when I teach the Enneagram, I tell my students, take at least two, if not three tests and bring them back and they'll have different results. That's what happens. So, yeah. Okay. So, um, which isn't to say they're not useful. They're just, they're just helping you think more. The way you find your type is, is feeling into the energy of the types and seeing what, what sings back to you as you. So they'll give you a place to start. So on my website, uh, I believe it's rachelalexandria.com slash find hyphen my hyphen type probably, but I'll give it to you for the show notes later. Yeah. Uh, so this, this was my intro. We should, uh, start trying to assess. And I I think I want to start with Laurel if that's okay. Birthday girl. It's my party and I'll Enneagram if I want to. Yes. That's the title of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Laurel, um, I, we don't know each other very well at all. I met you last time in the the last podcast we did together. So I know that you both you both mentioned at that time you thought you might be the same type, but then you weren't sure about that. Um, and I would say I'd be surprised if you were the same type uh, just just from reading your energy, the two of you. Uh, are there any types that you're more drawn to? Because it's easier to do a rule out than for me to be like, you know, that's just how we start. Hi, Kelly. Yes. <laughs> oh, thanks everyone for the happy birthday wishes in our in our comment box. The short and sweet of it is seven makes me feel like my truest self. I I feel uh, I feel like a blend of a lot of them, but for seven, what resonated with me very, very recently is I'm in a position of authority and I'm not taken seriously because of my youth, my gender, probably a bunch of other things. Um, and I can't assume what another person is thinking, but um, lately it's it's taken some much wiser gentlemen to put their foot down and throw their weight around for me to be taken seriously in my roles, in my professional mm-hmm. roles. Mm-hmm. Not with Jessa. Jessa and I, like, we're, we're two peas in a pod. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I've got a lot of um, really amazing opportunities and energy that flow towards me and everything's exciting and I'm interested in all the things and I love learning and exploring and I just find so much energy, enthusiasm, and lust for life. Um, I feel like leaping off the cliff and just exploring it all. And I just find everything to be an adventure. So when you described the seven, I immediately thought that was me. And I also feel a little eight E because 
um, I can get real in it and real, um, I don't know if stubborn is the correct word for it, but I feel a little Gandolfini, um, a little bit, like I got some control and I'm moving things around and they're going to be strategically my way. And if they're not my way, then I'm struggling with the control and I don't I, cross Laurel. <laughs> <laughs> what happens if you cross Laurel? Well, the, um, previously I've been working on this a lot, but, um, I was very quick to anger because I'm so confused why the other person is so confused. Like I, everything seems very, like I can see, I keep saying the word like a lot. It's driving me crazy, but I can see the end game and the vision. I can visualize it. And I know every single step it takes to get there because I'm a, a planner. This is what I'm good at. I'm very detailed. And if someone is not as quick as me or doesn't see it or doesn't put the pedal to the metal or, or really buy in and like jump on the bandwagon and be a cheerleader with me, I'm like really confused. And then if that confusion lasts for too long, I get angry and frustrated. I've been working a lot on that for the, probably the past two, three years on uh, emotional intelligence and recognizes when recognizing when the triggers are frustration and anger and what is what is underlying that frustration and anger? Is it a is it a sense of being not the same as the other person, of being separate from the other person when when really we're the same spirit? Like we're hmm. the same. learning about compassion has really helped me kind of address my anger and my dirt deep hurt and fear. And then sometimes I feel like a nine because if I am aware of my feelings and I feel the feeling and I process them, I'm able to go and just live in the void and kind of vanish out and be like, everything is wonderful and all is well and everything's happening as it should be. And I'm just accepting and loving and feeling great. I think the short and long of it is I feel all the things all at the same time. <laughs> well, you, you feel three of the types. Three of so the that's types. interesting. So, um, so, okay. So let's start with a rule out in those three types and see what sticks. How do you feel about boredom? Do you get bored? Yes. And when I get bored, I used to fill it with alcohol, food, and performance at work. Mm -hmm. Just perform. How do you feel when you get bored? Less than. Hmm. Not enough. I should be okay. stimulated at all times. I should be stimulated. I should be times. giving and producing at all times. How do you feel about sadness? Guilty when it happens because I, I am a white woman of privilege and have everything in my corner and life should be easy. So what am I sad about? Do you ever give time for your sadness or does it feel painful? Both. I'm working on giving time for my sadness and feeling those feelings in, instead of shoving it down, ignoring it, saying it's not good enough and distracting myself with alcohol, food and work. Okay. Um, how about vulnerability? Love how it. That? Love it. I'll tell you anything you want to know. I will share. I have an open book. I won't hold anything back. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> 
Whatever you um, want, I'll give it to you. <laughs> interesting. Okay. So, I, to me, you don't read as a nine because, like I said, the nines are ether. They're not... I don't know any nines who are very loquacious, like really jumping in and wanting to share a bunch of stuff immediately. Usually they need to be invited or provoked. <laughs> so so nine is like low on my scale when I'm looking at it. Um, seven and eight are, yeah, I don't have a strong sense yet because you really, you could be a seven with an eight wing or an eight with a seven wing. So, um, so yeah, I mean, eights typically are, don't enjoy vulnerability at all. So I'm kind of an exception. It's never bothered me. It's actually been something where I'm like, come closer, all the people. I'm a very two-ish eight. So if you look at the, at the image, you can see eight connects to two. So, you know, that's that's something that influences me a lot. Um, so that's, that's what's tricky too, is, uh, where we've pulled a lot of our energy from as we grow up. So you're like, oh, I love vulnerability. Okay. But you know, the confusion and anger is interesting to me. It really could go either way. So let me see. Um, I would, I would say this, Rachel, I'm in a mm -hmm. huge transformative period in my life for the past mm -hmm. three years and, ex and it accelerates every year where I'm hyper-focused on self-actualization and healing and kind of walking mm -hmm. myself home. Mm -hmm. And so some of what I'm conveying to you could be things that are changing. Mm -hmm. uh, like I don't, I'm not quick to anger anymore I'm not really scared of really anything but I'll have those moments mm -hmm. it used to be very consistent like pretty predictable I think do getting you into have work a oh say that again sorry getting into work with Jessa and being my own boss and then also being like an executive leadership in in another company and being able to make decisions that affect change and see real impact and move forward with strategy makes me feel mm -hmm. I, I go through life much easier so is it important for you to feel capable important for me to feel capable. I like capable competent the things you just said sounded like when you have a sense of efficacy in the world you're doing a lot better yes I I'm struggling to answer the question because I like to make change and help. I just like to help people. Ultimately, my ultimate value is I want people to live in harmony with themselves and each in the environment with each other and with the environment. Like harmony is my main goal. And if somebody doesn't see the harmonizing point and is not doing it fast enough, I get frustrated. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was just thinking that I was like, you want harmony, but it's like the way you, you, uh, you want them to achieve harmony the way you suggest. <laughs> and so it's kind of your way or the highway. I don't think, I don't feel that it's your way or the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> I, just I mean, 
that's that's more eight than it is seven. I'll tell you. Uh, when I rant about stuff to my roommate, she always teases me and says, "Man, if Rachel were in charge of the world, everything would be so much better." And I say, "Wouldn't it though? Wouldn't it? Don't you know? I mean, if you were to well, ask my husband, I'm sure he would chime in and be like, she likes it exactly how she wants it." Well, it's like you were saying earlier, and you've said this uh, like so many times to me, and I know I'm not supposed to tell people. I'm just adding insight. Is that when you say, I can see things, I can see the big picture and I know how to get there. And if you just follow these steps and do it, things will be done. Like, why is it so hard? And being on the other end of that is um, something that I know, you know, you and I talk like all the time. And so, um, you know, there's been a few times when frustration comes up and I know when frustration comes up, it's like, like I was very clear, why don't you get what I'm saying? Or I feel like you don't understand what I'm saying. And, Do you feel uh, misunderstood a lot? Like, does that is that a trigger for you, Laurel? Oh yeah, I would say, I would say the reactions that I receive from people are very confusing to me. What does that mean, confusing? I don't understand it, and I go to a place of. I used to go to a place. This is why I feel like this is very interesting. Because now that I'm aware of my reactions, things are changing significantly and quickly. I had, I've, in, I've had patterns of behavior in which my reactions to people, I, a trigger for me, for example, would be a family member being like, Laurel, why are you so angry? What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm not angry. Like, I, I don't know where this is coming from. I'm not angry. I'm just Maybe I'm just intense and you don't like it. I don't, I, I'm very confused. And over time I've realized that, that my reactions or responses to other people are usually something I don't like about myself. And I really, I don't like the anger. I, I don't want to be a messy, angry person. I don't. So well, people perceive you like, or sorry, I think that's when like, you know, like Laura was saying, she's done this like deep work the last like three years. And I think, Prior to that, like her, like quote, stress state was anger or like quick to anger because she was under a lot of stress and pressure because like she said, like she was not, you know, she's kind of being wedged into places that weren't a good fit for her in situations. And so I think that was like whatever Enneagram type, like that was how she acted out of stress. And now, and even when I think about Laurel and I like, you know. Um, unofficially try to type her I'm like it, it has changed so much because I'm like when I know her from this time I'm like she was under stress and now as I know her today it's it's totally different um so so it's interesting because I, I feel like I could observe how one could act under stress and how one could like act like in the growth state so Laurel do people find you intense is that a common thing people have said to you like your family people that have known you before my family would say i'm angry okay my you friends, said the word intensity my friends don't say i'm intense okay what about um people in work situations i've never well i don't recall someone saying i'm intense Mm -hmm. I, well, they won't necessarily say that. I guess I'm curious because you use the word intense and that's a, that's a key word to me. I'm, um, I have been described as passionate and thoughtful. Uh-huh. 
And when they're describing you in less complimentary ways, what do people say? Too much. Overshare, too much. Dominating? Like taking up a lot of energy? Uh, yes. Taking up a lot of space? Yes. Has that ever, just for contrast, Jessa, does anyone say that about you? That you're dominating, that you take up a lot of space? No, I don't think so. Like, same thing, if they have, they've never said it to my face. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like the opposite I'm probably like if anything I probably uh I feel like I feel like if I'm stressed I like shrink mm. versus like dominate but I, I can talk, I mean I'm a talker I can definitely dominate a conversation mm-hmm. but it's not it, but energetically it feels different and that's what I'm going to start to call out here um it's Words are complicated because when you try to use words to describe energy, people have their own connotations. So some people can experience sevens as dominating the conversation or taking the air out of the room. If they, if they really get into the negative aspects of the type seven traits, it can seem narcissistic. It can like consume all the air in the room, but it's different than the feeling of dominance that eights carry, which is kind of like bull in a China shop energy. It's like uh, eights don't understand that they walk around and they're, they're like, I'm just walking. But meanwhile, their tail swishes and it's just a tail swish and half a shelf of China gets knocked over. I don't feel that way. Which way? I, I was more. Oh, I don't. My Internet's just catching up with you. Sorry. My I don't feel bull in a China shop. I'm I would say I'm a highly sensitive person highly Mm -hmm. empathetic and Mm -hmm. digest like I'm watching people not Mm -hmm. with judgment but listening and learning from how they look and what they're wearing what they smell like and how I feel and I'm just like I'm like receiving so much but from the stress point of view no it it depends if I have that's on the that's on the inside so what you just told me a minute ago though is the outside effect is that people, some people have perceived you as angry, too much, you know, they get their, their, their reactions to you have confused you. That would be the effect. So you, you can feel I'm like leaning toward you being an eight because some of the stuff you're describing in that confusion is like internally, remember what I said, eights have the most tender heart of all the types behind the fortress. Yeah. So... Um, internally, like when people have gotten mad at me, I'm an eight. Um, and when people have gotten mad at me, it's like, ah, oh no, like I feel terrible. Ah, but I think outside, I mean, and so sometimes I've cried. I mean, I've had to do all this different work on like, I am not hundred percent responsible for other people's stuff, you know, but in the past, so uh, let me just tell you this brief story. When I was in grad school and I was just learning the Enneagram, we had um, we had our first year's self-assess because we were going to do like an assessment uh, thing at the end of the first year. This is my therapy school. And so everyone sits down and like writes down a self-assessment form. Like, what you know, it's all about personal work. What am I good at? What am I working on? What am I improving at? What do I need to work on? And then we actually have to ask our companions their thoughts. <coughs> 
and I was like, well, I feel like I'm getting a lot of praise here, so I probably should work harder on figuring out what I need to work on. And I asked my peers, and then I like it was like this whole host of resentments opened up because I I like opened the gates. I was like, hey, so I mean you know, what do you think I should work on? And they're like, this time when you snubbed me six months ago and I asked you this and you shot me down and I was hurt forever. And I was like, oh, it was a bunch of that. And it was really traumatizing to me. And my Enneagram teacher talked to me through it and was like, you opened up your shields and they just took aim at your unprotected heart and shot. I'm not blaming those people. Like we were all younger, whatever. It's not about that. Um, but I think their experience probably was, this was not my experience, but I think it was their experience that I came off as so competent and so defended that when there was finally an opening where I asked for feedback and I really seemed open, it was a time to bring up all these like grievances of things that I hadn't even noticed happened. That's the bull in the china shop effect. I don't think I'm stomping around trampling on people's dreams, but... I do carry a lot of competency and a lot of clarity and a lot of decisiveness. And when I'm not open to something, I'm not open. Like there's no, it's like shooting an arrow at a brick wall. Like nothing's going to happen. And I don't even notice it, that they did it. So I see you nodding. Yeah, I'm listening. Yes, I'm listening. And I, I would say I'm kind of like the group that you were in. It's like, oh, her defenses are down. I'm going to shoot an arrow and just like air my grievances and tell them all the things. Because I remember the way I felt a lot. Like I remember moments very, very vividly. And I think I'm communicating it in a compassionate, loving way. Because I think, doesn't everybody want to improve? And I learned lately, no, no. Unless someone asks you for your opinion, your guidance, your insight, and really wants to, to grow and learn, they're probably on their own healing journey and don't need your, your input or your guidance. Mm-hmm. Whereas before I've been doing the, this work, I was giving my guidance and my input and being kind of like a mirror to people I loved. And I didn't mean it. It was all coming from a very loving place. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. It's like, if you lied... I'm going to say that you lied. I remember exactly what happened. I I just remember. So eights tend to be, to wield kind of a blunt instrument. We have, we have a tendency to express things with blunt honesty. And you see me sometimes pausing to like recalibrate how I'm going to say things. Because if I just said things straightforwardly all the time, it wouldn't land with enough people. But it's a recalibration I've learned to do. Like, my natural state is to be like, no, that's stupid. (laughs) Do you know (laughs) what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I, that would be, like, I'm, I'm not sure how much time we have if we gave it just an hour. So I wanted to pivot because we're kind of close to the end of an hour and I haven't spent much time with Jessa. I'll just note that um, I always am watching also how people respond to what I suggest for typing. And I would say sevens tend to be more suggestible. So if I'm, if I'm saying to a seven, this isn't always true, but if I was saying to a seven, you know, I wonder if you should consider eight, they might be like, 
oh, you think so? Like, really? Why? They, they would ask a bunch of questions. And eights tend to, eights and fives, maybe ones, there's certain types that have more of a masculine energy that are more like, well, I don't know about that. Why? You know, mm. like there's a bit more of a, mm. and I feel a little bit more of that as I'm talking with you. Like, I, I believe you, you, you are open. And then there's also this prove it to me. You know, I don't know if I believe that. Yeah. Right. Yep. <laughs> it's more eight than it is seven. I'll say that. Sevens, sevens don't push back in that um, challenging kind of way. That's another word for the eight is the challenger. Oh, I'm, I, I had a presentation at the University of San Diego. My title was the challenger. <laughs> so I'd be curious. <laughs> you know, I heard you say you don't love the anger. I'd be curious for you to look more into eight and to ask yourself the honest question. Why might I not want to be this type? Because sometimes if we're challenged to find our type, I say, look at the one you least want to be. And that yeah. might be the one that you are. For sure. Because yeah. it's showing you the shit you don't like and you want to yeah. avoid about yourself. A hundred percent. Yes. You've convinced me. Wall down. <laughs> Eights are also very decisive. So when they're, when Boy, the gut says yes, they're just like, okay, fine. Move on. We don't need to keep talking about this. <laughs> I want to give Jessica the time too. Uh, that's Laurel though, for sure. I feel like she, when she decides, she decides and then she does it, which is great. Cause like, you know, we'll get into this, but I'm, I'm not like that. So um, Laurel right. asks very quickly um, in a good way. So as I was going through the types and I know Jessa, you have a pretty strong feeling about what your type might be. As I went through the types, did anything change for you? Like what came up for you? No, I think you just reinforce what I already thought. I mean, same thing. You go through them all. I'm like, well, I could be this. It could be this. So should I just say it? Sure. So I think I'm a seven. And especially as I'm like listening to us for all these questions, I have my own answers. And I feel like a little bit of nine only because I don't like confrontation. So it's like the peacemaker, but I'm, I'm not that. I know that. And then Sevens two, don't like confrontation either. Okay. Well, there you go. And I feel like a little bit of two, but I know that's not me either, but I just like, have a little two vibes, but um, I'm not like when I'm talking to someone, I'm not engaged. I'm usually like, I'm trying to be like, okay, listen to this person, pay attention. <laughs> you just reminded me of a friend of mine who's a seven who I know she's kind of doing that. She's like, I care about you and I want to be connected yeah, and I like you and I want to be liked, but also it's hard for me to focus. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's why I feel like I, I feel more of a seven, even though I kind of see some of the other things. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm very simple. <laughs> so, <laughs> so sevens and twos can look alike. There's there's lookalikes for any 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 two enneagram types. You can make an argument of like, well, am I a six or am I an eight? Well, here's here's how they look alike. Sevens and twos can look alike because there is a relational focus, but sevens are more concerned with being liked. Like they, they're, they're more scared of not being liked. Like that's a legit fear yeah. in sevens. And when they want to, if they need to say no to things, which they really don't like to do, the fear is they won't like me if I don't say yes to them. Yeah. Whereas twos are like, am I building enough relationship currency with this person? Um, but, but twos. I, I think I'm a hundred percent a seven with that because twos, I definitely feel that where I'm like, okay, I, you know, the, the currency vibe, but. 
when you said that is I was, this was like a year ago. I was with my acupuncturist talking about something about that, about saying no. And she was like, Oh, that's so sad. You think if you say no to something, people won't like you. I'm like, well, when you put it like that, like that does sound really sad, but yeah, I guess that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's one of the challenges for seven. That's like, remember I said, sevens have to learn to ground and center. And some of that is saying no to stuff. And I've known so many sevens who say yes to all the things, but they're actually exhausted. Yes. Like se- burnout for sevens is a real concern because um, you guys have a lot to give and a lot of energy and a lot of interest. And, but there can be this like, how many times do I have to put on my suit and dance for the people? Kind of it's feeling. funny when you say that because when Laurel and I met, I was 100% going through burnout. And that's when she was like going through her like stressful period too. And so I feel like we were both like at our, our opposite ends. <laughs> and I tell everybody, I don't think, you know, it's, it's hard for people to relate. Well, I shouldn't say. I think it sounds weird for me to say, but for me, the pandemic like forced me to slow down and say no and just be like, oh, and like, what do I want to do? What is going on? And, um, and so I, it, it like, I needed that. <laughs> no, weird. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm over it. Maybe just a month, but yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. Um, I, yeah, I see this in sevens all the time and I have clients who are sevens. It's funny because most of my clients are sevens and eights. Like <laughs> this, is, this is who I, I do a lot of work with. Well, because you know, you're high performers with sensitive souls a lot of the time. So, um, but also because it's a, like, I love sevens. I love working and playing with sevens. They're very complimentary for me. My, my teacher, my Enneagram teacher was a seven. Um, and eights because I feel like I serve eights really well because I am one. And so I can speak to the deep secrets of eight more than I think most people can. Eights are one of the more misunderstood types on the Enneagram. And we carry this like fear of being misunderstood too. Like all the time I'm like, I don't care if you disagree with me, if you actually understand what I'm saying, Yeah, but you don't, right. You don't actually understand what I'm saying. And it drives me crazy. Like if you're disagreeing with me, but you didn't get it. That's like, ah, so. That's why Laura and I are business partners because we're seven and eights and they're like connecting over that. I find a lot of, I mean, there's lots of complimentary pairings, but I do find, this is just my own little theory, that people tend to gravitate towards those around the same area of the Enneagram that they are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I meet somebody who's like a one or a three, they tend to have a lot of friends who are like twos and threes and maybe some ones. Um, I'm over here on eight. A lot of my friends are sevens. I've had a couple sixes, fives, nines, and I have fewer over here. So I like yes people. Laurel's like, <laughs> I'm like Laurel, I have this idea before. Like I've even like said it. She's like, yes. So whatever you want to do, let's do it. I trust you. Let's do it. I'm like, all right. Even yeah. But like, you hear oh, that. Yeah, she's the- like, Enneagram. Yeah. You're into it. I'm into it. Let's do it. I'm like, huh. This is so nice. <laughs> right? And with eights, trust is key. Trust, mm-hmm. integrity. Yeah. If you have that, it's like, like my roommate said, oh, do you want to get more testimonials from this cleaner before we hire them? Somebody from actually from Harahub. And I was like, no, I trust her. I, I just already have a vibe on her. I don't need to ask other, like, that just feels like a waste of my time to ask a bunch of other people if they liked her cleaning job. No, I already trust her. I'm good. 
I trust Jessa. If she's passionate about something, interested, excited about something, I'm like, yeah, let's dig in and see where this goes. We're going to fly and it's going to be magic and wonderful things are going to open up and we're going to soar. Yay. And then with some other people, I'm like, no, you're a liar. <laughs> See, I have to dig into everything. I'm that person reading like, okay, Yelp reviews, but what is the Yelp? Are those filtered out? Let me check the Google reviews. I'm like, okay, well, I can't see the pictures, So let me go back and look at the pictures. Like, are they, I have to look at everything. So sevens, I didn't talk about this, but sevens and fours are very into beauty and like aesthetics. And so, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that sevens like, <laughs> what's that? That one must have slipped past me. <laughs> I don't think so because look at the background that you're in and look at the background that Laurel's in like your background is curated mine Just, is self-indulgent yeah, yours is like me I like this is all about me today <laughs> yes yes so but sevens sevens you know it's that connection to one there's a little fastidiousness there's a little perfectionism there's a little polish and refinement and interest in aesthetics, but where they have a problem is in data. They are data and research hoarders. They will just accumulate and accumulate and accumulate, and it's like because they can't and, say and not make decisions. Yeah. Yes. Yep. If I say if I say like, you know what what happens? I don't want to commit to one thing because what if something else better comes up? But at the same time, yeah, I'm saying yes to everything they don't really care about. That is quintessential seven. I don't want to commit to something because it would kill the possibilities. It would kill the future fantasy possibilities. So then I take on everything and then I'm overwhelmed by my not making a decision. Eights don't tend to have that problem. Yeah. It's, we're not. That's about, me, it's the opposite. Laurel's just like, Laurel's like, yes, let's do it. And I'm like, no, wait, it's not, you know, we're not ready. It's too soon. Let's do more research. <laughs> and Somewhere there's a balance where things go. Yeah, because you can bring, you bring like exciting ideas. Like you always, you're never going to be missing ideas. And you bring like that, that magical verve, you know, and, and she brings the decisiveness and the follow through and can see from the beginning to the end and look for all the obstacles. If you're like the eight that I am, like as soon as someone brings me an idea, I'm like, and they'll be like, well, you don't like it? I'm like, no, I'm just already thinking, okay, here's these three things that need to get handled before we can say yes to that. And I need to know how I'm going to handle them. <laughs> so Laura. she's bringing that. Yeah. And then you bring polish, right. right? Like you bring a little bit of polish to what happens to the outcome. You're like, well, okay, but let's put a bow on it. Yes, I totally think that's it. And we've just, I think, recently kind of honed that process of like, okay, this is what you're really good at. This is what I'm good at. Let's, you know, you do this and then I'll do that. And, you know, maybe it works. And I think another thing too with Laurel is like, a, as you know, when you kind of talk about like our business partner relationship um, and complementary, you know, uh, traits is that she's very confident and she's not afraid. And so that is great for one business development. If you know want to make money, I'm like, oh no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You don't have to pay us. Like we'll figure it out. Whatever. And I was like, wait, what? No, you have to pay us. And this is how much it costs. And you know that's what we're doing. And then Laurel also um, is really good about just like going to the top. She's not afraid to talk to anybody. She's like, I'm at their level. I we are on. We are peers. And I'm like, oh, this person's a CEO or president. Maybe I shouldn't. You know 
they don't want to talk to me because like, who am I? And Laurel's like, what? No, like, no, I'm just going to, like, you know, I'm just going to pick up the phone. Their phone number's here. I'm just going to call them. And I'm like, no, my mouth don't, don't Laurel, don't. <laughs> you know, eights have BDE. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. That's not big BDE. Mm-hmm. You know, we just do. We just B-D-E. do. <laughs> and, I, and I do feel like with Jessa, we can do anything. I truly feel on the inside, we can do anything that we want to. Mm-hmm. I just feel that way. Mm-hmm. And and if and, I do, and it's a, and it's a vibe. This is yeah. what tests can't show you, but I can feel it. It's a vibe. There's just a vibe of that BDE and it carries eights through like we are very competent, but confidence is a thing that will convince like I have been let to do so many things that I later on I'm like, that's a part of the privilege, too. It's not just whiteness, you know, because there's plenty of white friends I have who get screwed over by things. But my BDE, my eight energy like, I remember being in high school. I'm just, like, this little, like, young for my grade high schooler, and I'd be walking around the halls. You're supposed to carry a hall pass. And I didn't, like, I'd be like, oh, I have to go whatever, and I didn't get my hall pass, and no one would ever stop me. But they would stop other people, but it's because I look like I know what I'm doing, and I'm doing something important. And I carry that all the time, and it's not something I'm doing on purpose. That's what we learned you know? in improv. They're like, they basically taught us, like, if you believe it, everyone else will believe it. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. Just, mm-hmm. you know, be like, yeah, like I, I heard a talking broom today and the broom said this. And like, as long as you keep talking, people are going to become convinced. Like, oh, I guess, I guess the broom did talk to her. And this was never good at it. Cause I'm like, but, yeah, but, but, but didn't it talk? Or, are you sure? <laughs> so, yeah. I always play the straight character in improv. Cause uh, perception is reality. And, and if I perceive myself as, confident and capable. I, mm-hmm. I am confident. Capable. But it's, it's a thing that comes naturally to eights that doesn't come naturally to other people. And that's a thing I've had to learn when like helping people through difficult communications, which is one of my specialties. I used to be like, try saying this. And over time learned it doesn't work because they don't carry the same energy I do. So we have to find what works for their energy. When I say this is how it is, people fuck off. Like they leave me alone. (laughs) But when other people say, this is how it is. Like, it just doesn't. mm -mm. I I would would say that Laurel would, I was like, I would pick the fights and Laurel would fight them for me. (laughs) Guess what happened? And she's like, Oh no, that's not going to fly. No one messes with Jessa. Like what are you doing? Undermining Jessa. How do you not understand that she is a treasure and you are lucky to be with her. So wait, First of all, thank you. My favorite, favorite story. I, I I think you don't care if I share, but it was San Diego Startup Week. I always tell stories about two years ago, the last one that was in person. And at Startup Week, there was an app. And on this app, you would get points. It was like for a conference. And so the app was tied to the conference and you get points for engaging on the app. Well, some users got on there and they were hacking the system and they would just type, hi, yes okay, just one word. So they would get these points and move up on the leaderboard. And Laurel is competitive by nature. And she was on the leaderboard and she was engaging because we were just starting to sell our co. And, you know, we were, um, we'd put together a panel for the event. Laurel was on it with a few other people, Dr. Bronner's and Tory Project. And it was awesome. Nathan Young moderated it. And so we were like, really wanted to promote it. And I was like, Laurel, I'm like, do you know that these people are gaming the system? And she was like, no. 
Next thing I knew, they were banned. <laughs> I got them banned. Yeah. I mean, I'm that competitive. I was like number number eight, ironically, or ten on the leaderboard was was us, and the people in front of me were all these these people trying to mess with it, and I'm like, no, this no. is messing with my vision. <laughs> and it's also unfair, right? It's also unethical. Exactly. Yes. Well, um, and I, I want to keep going, but we can't. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was like, I'm, I'm aware. So I would, so we do, I would like to change this up just a teeny tiny bit since this was kind of a fun one. Well, it wasn't kind of, it was a fun one today and it was a little different, um, you know, with the reading and we each give one key takeaway for our three point landing. For sure. Great. Will you share that, Rachel? You guys go first. Okay. So I'm going to do my key takeaway. And my key takeaway is to, to find your vibes. Like you're saying, like, feel, feel who you vibe with. Because Laurel and I are seven and eight. We're on one side. You might be a one or two, two and three, whatever. But, but don't be, feel good with whoever you're working with. Like you want to get, like, notice your energy, listen to it and react to it accordingly in a healthy way. Yeah. I'll, I'll add to, to, if you're afraid of what you might be, go into it more and just embrace it, explore it, see what resonates and feels good for you. I feel like this tool, if you do more for me personally, if I do more self-exploration, it might expand me. Instead of me like saying no, I'm this particular way and blocking myself, I'll just get out of my own way and see what happens. I love that. Uh, you yeah, would, I would. You ate her. What's that? You, you would. You ate her. <laughs> Challenger. Yeah. Challenger. I'm surprised. You know, at least I can convince you. Yeah. Uh, I would say I don't know that I shared this in here, but. Um, understanding the Enneagram helped me have so much more compassion for how other people are when I really got that what is innately true in me that I can't fully change my desire for control, my, my desire to challenge people, my, my need for competency and efficacy, um, my like sustaining energy that those are how just how I am and other people just are these other ways when I really understood these other types I just got that it so much wasn't personal about how people are different when I don't like it it's just like oh that's just who they are it's not it's not an excuse to be a jerkwad right but you know when people make choices based on their energy level that's not about me and that's a truth about who they are so it helped me relax and, a lot. And I would, I would like to spend more time with you. Uh, you'll be hearing from me. Thank you. Sweet. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rachel. Thanks for coming back. That was really fun. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yay. Send Bye. it, Justin.